Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining me again. Paul Gray here. As I'm recording this on the 24th of January, 2021, we've had a transfer of power, at least here in the United States. And what I want to talk to you today is about the ultimate transfer of power. There has been a transfer of power in Washington, D.C., and it has nothing to do with the transfer of power that I'm going to talk about. Today, I want us all to see that the Holy Spirit of Christ in us is all-powerful grace, continually working and energizing and empowering and revitalizing and igniting us to do what grace God has called us to do. I want to just look at a couple of scriptures today. I'm not going to give you my usual longer list. I'm going to start out with Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Start out with the Amplified Version. Paul here says, Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire to both will and work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. That word effectually, we don't use it much anymore, but it means with great effect. It means completely. The Holy Spirit in us is working with great effect completely to do what God has called us to do. That ought to take the pressure off of us. The Passion Translation says it this way, God will continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion to do what pleases him. And then Brian Simmons' footnote says, The Aramaic can be translated, God will continually revitalize you to accomplish the good things you desire to do. Francois says it this way in the mirror, Discover God himself as your inexhaustible inner source. He ignites you with both the desire and the energy that matches his own delight. Now, the word there, will, God works to will and to work, is in the Greek is thelo, which means to will, to have in mind, to intend, to be resolved or determined, to purpose, to desire, to wish, to love, to like to do a thing, be fond of something, taking great delight in something, have pleasure. All that's true of God working in us. The word work is energio, E-N-E-R-G-O, where we get energy. It means to be operative, to be at work. It means to put forth power, to work for someone, to aid someone, to affect, to display one's activity, to show one's self-operative. The big transfer of power that I want to talk about to you is God transfers his power to, wait for it, God transfers his power 
to you. That's right, to you. God himself, who is all-powerful, has transferred you from darkness into his kingdom of light and has given you all power to do what he's called you to do. You don't have to come up with the power. You have it right now. He has literally transferred his power to you. Now, the question is, do you know that? Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Do you just have the head knowledge? Or do you really experience it? I'm talking to myself here too. There's a great verse in the Old Testament, Zechariah 4, 6, and 7. Some of you will recognize this, even though I'm going to give you my personalization of it. Prophet speaking for the Lord. He says, this is the word of the Lord, Yahweh, I am. Not by human might, nor by human power, but by the power of my spirit, says the Lord. What are you, great mountain or great problem? I'm going to level you out, and I'm going to do it with shouts of grace, grace to it. It's amazing. Human power is limited, but God's power, divine power, is all-powerful. Grace is God's unlimited power in action, working all things for the good of all people all the time. Now, I'm starting to see, I've probably taught you this before, that Jesus himself was grace personified, grace in the flesh. We know that from several verses, but one of the primary ones is when Paul wrote to Titus. This is Titus 2.11, and he says, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. Doctrines don't appear. Prayers don't appear. Concepts don't appear. A person appeared. The grace of God appeared. Jesus, the grace of God, appeared, bringing salvation to all people. And now I'm starting to even see that a little more. The Holy Spirit of Christ is grace in us. I think it's perfectly fine and very accurate to call the Holy Spirit grace. I call Pop, the Father Papa. I call Jesus Jesus. I'm calling the Holy Spirit now grace. Grace, the indwelling person and power of God, continually manifesting love is in us all, in all its varied expressions, including but not limited to joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, the faith of Christ, compassion, mercy, forgiveness, everything good. Grace is love in action. Now, how powerful is all powerful. You ever thought about that? All powerful. With man, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible because God is all powerful. My question for myself and for all of us is this. What does that mean? What does it mean? I mean, we can answer that on a test, you know. What are the four O's of God? Well, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, omnibenevolent. Yeah, but what does it mean? What does it look like? Do I believe it? Do I actually trust it where the rubber hits the road? And not just do I say it, but do I actually trust that God is, in fact, all-powerful? I want to talk today, I want to discuss God's all-powerful power as it relates to God's attributes. See, if you can put a limit 
on any of God's attributes, any of God's characteristics, any of God's traits, any of God's abilities, if you can put a limit on any of those, then it's not really God you're imagining. It's some lesser concept of a small g God, something that has limits to its so-called power. Because there are no limits to God's, the real God's power. There are no limits to anything with God. The real God is totally pure, good, love, peace, grace. You are safe and protected with the only true God because he is all-powerful. I've been thinking about just how big is this unconditional love and grace. How powerful is it? Now, I'm going to ask you a question, and it's not a spiritual question, so don't answer with Jesus, okay? What do you think is the most powerful physical force on the earth? I know it's arguable, but what do you think is the most powerful physical force on the earth? I thought about this week, and to me it seems like it would be the ocean. Nothing can stop the tide or the power of the ocean. You can move around, you can channel it a little bit where it comes up next to land, but nothing can stop the tide or the power of the ocean. I mean, trillions and trillions of gallons of water covering tens of millions of square miles, and when it comes rushing at you, there's no possible way you can stop it. I mean, think about pictures of a tsunami hitting a coastal city and literally washing away everything, buildings and buses and seawalls and cars and people and anything else that it gets in its way. It's impossible to stop it. Now, we don't actually have words to describe that. We can say it was strong, mighty, Herculean, dominant, prescient, having great power or influence, ginormous. But when it comes to the divine, all-powerful power of God, well, we use words like almighty or omnipotent, but there's nothing more powerful we use words to describe things, but there really are no words to adequately describe God. Every descriptive word we can come up with is a human concept. Now, Jesus, who is God himself, demonstrated God's power over the ocean a couple of times. I mean, there was a huge storm. The guys were out in the boat. The wind was so strong, it was stirring up the sea, tossing the boat around, and the disciples thought they were going to die. And, you know, Jesus was just sleeping. Well, they woke him up, and Jesus simply said something. Mark 4.39, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea, Hush, calm down. All at once, the wind stopped howling, and the water became perfectly calm. Arguably the most strongest force in the world the ocean, the sea. He just said, hush, calm down. Now, the actual words in the Greek there mean involuntary stillness. Something becomes still or is made mute involuntary. It means to reduce to silence. And then peace was the result. <laughs> the all-powerful God just spoke, and his all-powerful word made the storm stop and reduced it to peaceful silence. And on top of that, when it stopped, the boat instantly ended up miles away at the shore where they were going. How powerful is that? 
Now, here's the question for us, for me and you. Is God powerful enough to calm the storm in your life, in my life, and produce peace? Is he powerful enough to do that? Words have power. God's words, Jesus, the living word of God, is all-powerful. And Jesus' best friend here on the earth, John, wrote in 1 John 4, 17, as Christ is in the world, so are we. I mean, think about that. We have the same power living in us, the power of Christ that Jesus did. Think about Jesus' words when he said to a dead man, Lazarus, He'd been in the tomb for three days. He said, Lazarus, come out. His words are so powerful, I believe that he had to use a specific name or all the dead. If he'd have just said, come out, all the dead people in that cemetery would have come out. <laughs> I want us to really see something today regarding how powerful God is, all powerful, infinitely more powerful than the weather, than the ocean. Papa has shown me that this is super important for our daily lives, as well as those whom we interact with and live with every day. Specifically, I want us to see the ultimate result of God's power. When you think about somebody's power here on earth, humans have power in accordance with their position. For many years, I was the only officer in a military unit. I commanded 78 people. I had a lot of power over them, but not all power. In the military, I mean, a general, four-star general, an admiral, they have a lot of power over people, but it's limited. Teachers have power. Coaches have power. People in business have power. Parents have power, but it's limited. We just had the biggest transfer of power in our government. The whole government, the power changed, power structure changed. But the government, even the president of the United States, has limited power. Most people... I believe, use power for good. Obviously, not everyone and not all the time. But sometimes when some people use their power for what they think is good, we think is not good and vice versa. And we tend to imagine, we tend to think up, we tend to come up with the concept of God that same way. We tend to think, well, yes, God is good and God is all powerful. But you know what? We also tend to think there are two other powers that are actually more powerful than God, who we say is all-powerful. First of all, we tend to think, religious thinking says that evil, Satan, the devil, is more powerful than God. Now, religion wouldn't come out and admit that, but what they say is actually about 90% of all people will end up in hell being tortured endlessly forever by Satan, whom God apparently is unable or not powerful enough to stop him from doing that or stop us from being there. So whether they admit it or not, religious thinking, and I used to be there, says, you know, actually evil, the devil's more powerful than God, about 90% more powerful. Or perish the thought. Another branch of religion says, maybe God is powerful enough to stop people from going to hell and being tortured forever, but he doesn't want to, which would mean God is not totally good. God is not love. Well, there's a problem with that thinking. Either God is not all good, or God is not all powerful, or maybe there is even a third thing to consider. Maybe there is no eternal conscious torment from the devil or any other entity to begin with. Hmm. 
Most of us have already seen that lie of the eternal conscious torment and God either not being powerful enough to keep people from there or God wanting people to go there. And we said, no, thanks. <laughs> I'm not going to play that game anymore. That's lies. But what about in our day-to-day life with our finances, our relationships, our health, our job, our marriage, our kids, our grandkids, our government? What about our attitudes like fear and worry? Do we really believe God is all-powerful and all-good? I'm talking to myself here as well as you. Do we believe God is powerful enough to help me not worry, to not get mad, lose my temper? Is God powerful enough to keep me from being afraid? If I say, well, you know, yeah, I get angry, but that's just the way I am. What I'm saying is I am more powerful than God. The other entity that we believe has more powerful than the all-powerful God other than evil is ourselves, people, mankind. I mean, what about people believing in Jesus, accepting Christ? What about free will? Is God powerful enough to overcome free will? Or are we more powerful than God? I mean, doesn't the Bible say that God will never violate our free will? Uh, actually, no. Not even anything remotely like that. That's one of those things that sound good. We've heard it all our life in religion. We've heard, well, God will never violate our free will. And that is just simply a lie. It's not in Scripture anywhere. God is good. God is a perfect parent. Do perfect parents ever violate their children's free will when they're about to hurt themselves? Am I going to just let my kid put his hand on the stove and burn it and disfigure it because, well, I I don't want to violate his free will? Come on now, think about that. Somehow we've come up with this concept that God is limited to only using humans to convince other humans to believe in God. It's like God's not powerful enough to do that himself. And some religious things say we can only do that by Scripture. (laughs) which people don't believe in to begin with. And if either we fail or the other person fails, there's nothing God can do. I mean, there'll be a few, maybe 10% who roll sevens, but the other 90% are shooting craps. Do you see how that flies in the face of both God being all-powerful and all-good? Within the two main branches of organized Christian religion, Arminianism believes that God is all-good, but not all-powerful. They believe that humans' free will is more powerful than God. God, who is all-powerful and wills that all be saved and no one perish, they believe that our human free will is more powerful than that. The other branch, Calvinism, believes that God is indeed all-powerful, but he's just not all-good. They believe God actually decides in advance to damn to hell about 90% of all God's children to eternal conscious torment. Some People who are really into that say God takes great pleasure in tormenting people forever. They say God's goodness is limited. They even have a five-step thing called TULIP, and the L in TULIP is limited atonement. Well, thank God we know better now. And thank God there is another way than Calvinism or Arminianism. There's the Jesus way. There's Trinitarian inclusionism, which is what most of the original first church fathers believed. That belief is that God is good, ultimate, all-powerful good, never bad, 
pure light, no darkness. And God's power is unlimited, unlimited goodness. God is pure light with no trace of darkness. See, once you get that revelation, you will never say or think, well, yes, God is good, but. You'll never say, well, yes, God is pure light with no trace of darkness, but. You'll never say, well, yes, God is unconditional love. Yes, God is all-powerful, but there are limits, and he's not powerful enough to help me and certainly not powerful enough to help those people. I know you're like me. You're just seeing how utterly ridiculous that is. If God really is all-powerful, then there can be no buts, no human limits or constrictions or restrictions to God's power and love and grace. That revelation is something that we absolutely need to grasp because once we do, it changes everything. It changes the way we live. It changes how we see everybody else. It changes how we see God. Once we grasp that revelation, then we're able to see God's attributes, his isness, clearly. His isness includes love. He is love. He is good. He is grace. He is peace. He is light. Scripture goes to great lengths to describe how powerful God's love and goodness is. Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, like everybody else on the face of the earth at the time, had an entirely wrong concept of God. It wasn't just that Saul didn't believe Jesus was God. The reason he didn't believe Jesus was God, because Jesus was the antithesis, just the opposite, of what Saul thought God was like. Jesus was good. Jesus was unconditional love. Jesus hung out with sinners. Jesus was light. Jesus was forgiveness. Jesus was peace. Saul didn't think God was like that at all. He believed in Adam's fictitious, dark, punitive, small g, angry God, who he thought was almighty, meaning all-powerful, but uses that power for anger and for punishment. Well, after Jesus appeared to Saul, the Father, whom Jesus calls the only true God, revealed to Saul that Jesus had always been in him. After the Holy Spirit of Jesus graced in action, the teacher taught Paul personally for 13 years in the Arabian desert, just the two of them. Well, then Saul changed his mind, metanoia, and he changed his name to Paul. Then he used all the words he could to describe what the only true God is like and how powerful God is. He and the Apostle John gave us a wealth of revelation. They taught us how God is good and God is love and God is grace and God is for everyone. They taught us that God is perfect. I mean, keeping that one thing in mind, perfect means the following descriptions include perfection. They are 100% true 100% of the time for 100% of the people. God's love never fails. It's perfect. God's perfect love lasts forever. God's perfect love covers all sin. God is patient. God is kind. God is not selfish. God is not irritable. God keeps no record of wrongs. God literally puts up with everything for all people. John was called the apostle of love. He's, he's the one who repeatedly told us God is love. You know, King David wrote one whole chapter in the Old Testament about God's loving kindness lasting forever. Psalm 136, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. I think he said it 19 times in that chapter. Paul wrote a lot about God's love, including one whole chapter in the New Testament, the love chapter. There are no other incidences in scripture where a whole chapter is dedicated to only one subject, but there are two about God's love lasting forever and being perfect. God's perfect love is so powerful that it even casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment, and God's perfect love reveals that there is no punishment with God. 
If you or I fear anything with God, hell, punishment, God's displeasure, we don't yet know his love. I want to finish today with something a friend of mine, Michael McElia, posted on Thursday on Facebook. He said, here's something to ponder. He said, Jesus had said that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven or yeast that a woman worked into the dough and it raised the entire lump. He said it's like a mustard seed that's the smallest of all garden seeds, but it grows into the largest tree in the garden that all the birds come and rest in its shade. Romans 8 says that creation itself groans and waits in eager expectation for the manifestation of the sons of God. Acts says heaven itself must keep Christ until the restoration of all things, all people. Habakkuk in the Old Testament said the entire earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the God, just as the waters cover the sea. Paul wrote in Corinthians that eventually God will be all in all. In other words, my friend Michael says, we are progressively going somewhere. And that forward trajectory, that positive flow will not and cannot be stopped because God is all-powerful. It won't be stopped until every single person on this earth is awakened from within to their identity and likeness of God, the authentic signature and expression and poetry of God. He goes on to say this awakening births a natural and effortless authority to reverse the curse of the entire created order that Jesus' broken and torn apart body secured in his victory and finished work on the cross. You are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. He says that authority is love. This authority, love, will rid this planet of every hint of division, exclusion, and war itself, down to ridding the earth of its weapons of wars. It will happen. Scripture says, as this begins to happen, the entire earth, physical creation itself, will begin to harmonize. Harmony will fill the created order. And there won't be one tornado or earthquake or tsunami or flood or violent eruption. It's more powerful than the ocean. He says, we're going somewhere and it ain't up in the rapture. (laughs) We are manifesting what true reality already is from God's perspective. The union and harmony and seamlessness of heaven and earth unveiled in the incarnation of Christ on earth as it is in heaven. He says, I believe this is God's will, ultimate restoration for all. And of course, I do too. So I just want to finish with a little bit here on practical application. How does this ginormous, unlimited power affect us today? When we see a challenge or a situation or a circumstance and we're tempted, like me, to worry, to become anxious, to be fearful, to get mad, to judge, does God's unlimited power manifest itself today? God is unlimited power. God loves us. God is in us. Why wouldn't it manifest in us? God is all-powerful. Why wouldn't he manifest that power in my life today? I've learned it's not my belief that keeps him from doing that or my lack of belief. He is all-powerful, whether I believe that or not. It's not my faith that could limit his all-powerful. He's all-powerful whether I believe it or not. The Greek word that's usually translated receive in the New Testament is lambano. It means to lay hold of what is already yours. I've got a gift card for one of our favorite restaurants in Lawrence. I'm going to use it tonight. It's way more than enough to pay for a great meal and drinks for my wife and me. I have it. I have the gift card. It's mine. It's in my possession. Well, now what? I take what is already mine 
and I use it. I'm not working to get it or working to pay for my meal. I'm taking what's already mine, and I'm using it. I visualize I've been doing this this afternoon, the wonderful meal that I'm going to have. I mean, we order, we enjoy it, we give them the gift card that's already ours. We have laid hold of what is already ours, and I've used it. We have God's supernatural power living in us. We have all the treasure that God has. He's already lavished all the gifts, all the spiritual blessings in the universe on us already. We have the mind of Christ. We have the fullness of God. We are complete. We have the power of God, unlimited power, unconditional power, all-powerful, omnipotent power in us. We get to and we need to Use it, and use it primarily in helping other people, all the people in our lives, and help them get this revelation of just how powerful God is and they are. And the one person, the most important person in our life that needs to know how powerful God is, is you and me. Now we know. So let's take what we already have, let's use it for the good of our own selves and everybody else that we're with. Hey, thank you all for being with me today. Look forward to seeing you next time. Have a grace day. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.